Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tom Kang. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Well, all right. Now it's time for me to tell you all what you've done wrong since I last saw you. And don't try and hide because I'm Jesus. I will find you. Let's start with you, Peter. You lied to your mother the other day. Andrew, you said a naughty word when you hit your finger with the hammer. James, you laughed at him when he hit his finger. Moving right along, John, you drank too much wine the other night. Not way too much, just enough to make me angry. Matthew, we fell asleep in church, didn't we? Yes, we did. And Thomas, you were slow dancing a little too close with that girlfriend of yours. Let's see, and you... I forgot your name, so you're off the hook for now. Um, Philip, I saw you smoking a cigarette behind that big rock the other day. Thaddeus, I hate to say I saw you stick up your middle finger at someone who cut you off when you were riding your camel. Benjamin, you aren't wearing your WWJD bracelet. Jacob, I don't mind you saying my name, but not after you stub your toe. Frank, you know what you did. I just can't repeat it because I'm Jesus. All right, all you sinners, come with me. It's time to pay the piper. Man, it was only one cigarette. I heard that. (laughs) Hilarious, right? Yeah, it's amazing, right? Oh, my gosh. My favorite was, you drank too much. Not way too much, but just enough to make me angry, right? (laughs) See, I don't know about you guys, but I actually grew up with a gentle Jesus, meek and mild, the flannel graph uh, version. But I also remember that same Jesus saying some pretty hard things, like the time he pointed at some Pharisees and said, you know what, you snakes, you you brood of vipers, Or, or this other time that he called out these people, and he actually said, you are like whitewashed tombs. You're, you're beautiful to look at on the outside, but on the inside, you're like dead men's bones, right? Not very meek or mild, right? But in any case, well, welcome to Liquid Church, everyone. I'm Tom. I'm one of the pastors here. And today we're on part two of this sweet series we're calling Hard Candy. This is a series where we examine the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, and his sometimes hard teachings. Now, I've got some uh, jars of candy over here. You can see that. But on your way in, I'm sure that you received one of these, right? A, a piece of this, a little strawberry delight. And these are awesome because they, they're hard on the outside, but on the inside, Inside, they're actually very soft and sweet, sort of like the words of Jesus. As a matter of fact, nowhere is this more true than in the most famous sermon of all time. I'm talking, of course, about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And as a matter of fact, would you look in your Bibles? Would you turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew? Matthew chapter 5 is found on page 677 here. It's right after Jesus' famous Beatitudes, just another word for blessed. Blessings. This is the part where, you know, Jesus says, blessed are the poor, blessed are those who mourn, right? Only here, 
Jesus is about to lay down some even harder truths to swallow, okay? So, so are you ready? Let's, let's actually read this verse here. It says, verse 20, Matthew chapter 5, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Say What? What are, you, what are you talking about here? See, folks, you and I, because of this hard teaching, you and I have a problem. See, because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were actually religious professionals, okay? They took this stuff very seriously. They did not mess around. Yet Jesus is saying, you know what he's saying? He's saying, guess what? If you want to go to heaven, if I want to go to heaven, then my righteousness actually has to be more than the righteousness of a Pharisee and teacher of the law. If that doesn't bother you, I need you to think of it this way. Let me ask you this question. How many of you right now this very moment can recite all 10 commandments in a row right now just go ahead and raise your hand if you can do that oh yeah that's what i thought okay exactly but you know what to the teachers of the law to the pharisees of the day that that's like insulting they they knew that stuff ever since they were five and six years of age as a matter of fact as they got older in life they actually atomized all of god's laws into six Hundred rules, over 248 commands, over 365 prohibitions. In other words, these Pharisees and the teachers of the law that, uh, that Jesus is addressing here, they took God's law, which was here, which was accessible to everyone. They took God's law, and what did they do? They raised the bar. You guys have seen this before, right? It's, it's a high bar jump, right? Not, not exactly from the Olympics. I, I understand this, right? But, but you absolutely, you get the point, right? In fact, there's a phrase we use when we're in situations where standards need to increase. Productivity needs to increase. What do we say? Everything needs to, we need to raise the bar. Exactly. Okay, exactly. And, and, and that's what we're talking about. We, when we raise the bar, we raise the performance or standards to a whole new level. And so in order to distance themselves from everyday ordinary people, these religious professionals, these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, they would raise the bar of God's laws. I want to give you some examples here. For instance, uh, there's the third commandment, right? The third commandment says, thou shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Okay, this was one of the Ten Commandments, it was the third one, and you weren't basically allowed to misuse the name of the Lord. That was very common. Everyone understood that. But these Pharisees, these teachers of the law said, you know what? No, no, no. We need to raise the bar. So instead of just don't misuse, you're not even allowed to pronounce the name of God. You're not allowed to say it, you're not allowed to speak it, you're not allowed to write it. As a matter of fact, today's Orthodox Jews, many of them practice this in the sense of they don't write out the word God. Instead, what do they write? They write G-D, right? Because they don't want to misuse, they raise the bar. See, let me give you another example. Uh, think of, for instance, the fourth commandment, right? Remember the Sabbath. I mean, this was like, this is so important. We've talked about this past couple of weeks. Remember the Sabbath. This comes right in the middle of the Ten Commandments. Everyone knew. You got to remember the Sabbath. You honor the Sabbath. But what do these teachers and the Pharisees, what did they do? They decided to raise the bar. It's not just remember the Sabbath anymore. They, were, they actually added 39 new prohibitions. 
prohibitions to it, uh, including things like you are not allowed to clean or cook on the Sabbath. If it's the Sabbath day, you are not even allowed to extinguish a fire on the Sabbath. That's a law that they added. So now just think about this. You're a Jew, it's the Old Testament times, and it's like Saturday brunch time, and you got a little grease fire in your kitchen. Guess what? Tough luck, all right? You shouldn't have been cooking anyway, all right? That's exactly what was happening. See, these Pharisees and these teachers of the law, these holy men, they raised the bar to such a level that they were saying, like, you know what? Yeah, you know, we don't want to brag or anything, okay? We're not, we're not trying to, you know, uh, stuff it in your face or anything, but, but listen, we obey God's law. I don't know about you guys, but we obey God. And as a matter of fact, we raise the bar to a whole nother level. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Okay? And by doing so, what these teachers and the Pharisees of the law, what they were doing was they were elevating themselves. They were pumping themselves up and at the same time, totally crushing others beneath them, raising the standards to impossible religious performance. I call this spiritual abuse. Spiritual elitism. And so here we go. That's the situation. The bar has been raised. That's what the Pharisees and teachers of the law have done. And so you would expect these teachers of the law, you would expect Jesus to come into that scene, Jesus to look at the Pharisees, and you would expect gentle Jesus, meek and mild, to be like, hey, wait, wait a minute, guys. Hey, time out. Time out. Um, can we just, uh, that is too high. That, let us lower the bar right here. This was God's law. This was common for everybody to understand. Let's just lower the bar right there, nice and easy. Relax. But instead, Jesus actually raises the bar even higher. Notice what he says in the next verse. It's right in your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Do, do, do we understand this, folks? Let's just pause right there for a second. That, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus turns to the Pharisees, teachers of the law, and he says, Guys, you have heard it said, Do not murder, right? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Everybody knows that. As a matter of fact, Throughout history, that has always been the case. Every human society has had a rule and that everyone can, uh, t- can listen to, adhere to, and that is don't kill people. Right? If we're going to live together in a human society, if we're going to be civilized, let's just have a rule. Let's not kill people. Is that, is that too hard? Like, can, can, we, can we all just, can, can we make that bar? Does that make sense? Okay. But watch what Jesus says. You have heard it said, do not murder. But then what does he say in the next verse? But I tell you that anyone who is, let's read that word, angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. What did Jesus just do there? Jesus said, you have heard that it said, do not murder, but I'm saying, no, 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 we got to raise that bar. And I'm saying, "Mm, you can't even be angry. Think about that. In every human society throughout all of mankind's history, there has always been a rule against killing people. doesn't matter where you are, where you're from. But Jesus elevates it to actually not being angry? I mean, how can he raise the bar that high? It doesn't even make sense. I mean, come on, are you, are you serious? See, Jesus raises the bar, and you know something? Oh, my goodness. He's just getting started. Look at verse 27. It says, you have heard that it said, do not commit adultery. 
Again, one more time. This is one of the Ten Commandments. Right? Do not commit adultery, okay? It makes sense. If you are married, you have a spouse, guess what? You're supposed to stay with that spouse. You don't sleep with other people. I'm a husband. I have a wife. I love her to death. That's the one that's for me. I'm the one for her. That's it. It's very simple. Do not commit adultery. That's what it says. Look at the next verse. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, this is the law. Jesus is saying, you know what it says. It says don't commit adultery. You shouldn't be in bed with anyone else. But then Jesus says, no, 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 but you know what? That's a great rule and all, but I'm going to raise the bar. Not only should you not be in bed with anyone else, nobody should be in your head. Jesus raised the bar. See, Jesus addresses this inner attitude of the heart. He doesn't just deal with external actions. He truly raises the bar. And so the Pharisees, uh, you know, they raise the bar on people, but Jesus, he raises it even higher. But now watch. Oh, I love this. Watch how this chapter ends. This is actually amazing. It's actually outrageous what he says next. Let's read this verse together. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Let's read this together. Be what? No, no, no. One more time. Be what? Perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Guys, do you see what's happening here? Jesus says, you've heard it said this, I'm going to raise it over here. You've heard it said this, I'm going to raise it. He does it about six times in that chapter. And then the culmination of it all, he ends the chapter with be perfect. In other words, it doesn't get any higher than this. How could it possibly go higher than perfection? I mean, you want to talk about, I know you got like all these like sweet little strawberries, but no, no, we're talking like hard. These are like jawbreakers. It doesn't get harder than perfection. I mean, just think about that. Jesus says, be perfect. And I just want to stop here and say this. That's what a lot of people think Christianity is all about. Perfect execution. Living perfectly. It's about being little Mr. and little Mrs. Perfect. About perfect performance. How high can you possibly jump? But folks, the reality, listen to me carefully now. The reality is this. God does demand perfection. Only you and I can't give it. Only Jesus Christ does. And this is why union with Christ, what Pastor Tim talked about last week, is everything. It's so important. It's it's absolutely essential. Only Christ can live and has lived the perfect life. Only Christ is perfectly righteous and sinless. And when you put your trust in Christ and his perfection, then guess what happens? His righteousness is then given to you. Do you understand what's happening there? Okay, see, today's professional holy men, we call them theologians. They have a fancy $5 word for this whole transaction. It's called imputation. 
okay? It's a fancy little word, the doctrine of imputation. But here's the thing. Don't be intimidated by it. All imputation means is this. It's to credit from one source to another, to credit from one source. You have an account, you have a credit, and you are stacked full of it. My account is empty, and imputation is to then take that credit and put it in my account, to credit from one source to another. More specifically, the moment you, listen to me now, the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the perfect Lord and Savior, at that very moment, do you understand what happens? His perfect righteousness is imputed to you. It is transferred to you. It is credited to your account as if you always had that perfect righteous to begin with. In other words, when you put your faith in the perfection of Jesus Christ, do do you understand what's happening? God the Father, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the perfect Jesus, God the Father, he no longer sees your failures. He, He no longer sees, amen, He no longer sees your stumbles. He no longer sees you falling. Instead, because of imputation, what does God see? God sees the perfection of his own son, Jesus Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. That's the sweetness that we're talking about right here. But you know something? Don't take my word for it. Don't take professional religious people's words for it, okay? Instead, let's listen to the Apostle Paul and how he explained it to the church in Rome. Check this out. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 says this. But now a righteousness from God. Let's read those next three words. Apart from law have been made known to which the law and the prophets testified. This righteousness from God comes how? Through faith in Jesus Christ. To who? All who believe. Are you seeing this? Do you hear the good news here? There is now a perfect righteousness available to you and to me apart from the law, apart from what you do, apart from breaking laws or adherence. It's apart from the law. And this perfect righteousness comes to us not because we jump higher. It's not by adding more rules. It's not by making a longer list. It's not even by raising the bar to whatever level you think you can raise it to. No, this perfect righteousness comes to me and you through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Am I preaching to anybody here today? See, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Father, he no longer sees your sin. He doesn't see that. Instead, if you believe in Jesus Christ, all the Father sees when he looks at you is his son's perfect righteousness, his son's perfect sacrifice for you. Union with Christ. That's what we're talking about. Union with Christ leads to a perfect righteousness imputed, credited, transferred, given to you. And that is what helps you move with a new motivation and live with a new strength to obey the Father. It's like the pressure is taken off, and now it's no longer about religion or rules or obligations, but now you want to follow God because you love him. You want to follow him because he first loved you. You want to follow him no matter how many times you may have failed. You know what? It's okay. You're going to get back up again, and you know what's going to happen the next day? You're going to fall again, but you know what? That's okay because you're going to get back up again, but you know what? You're going to fall again, 
It's probably that same day. But you know what? That's okay. You're going to get back up again. And you're going to follow him because Christ's righteousness has been imputed to you. And it's not because you just will yourself to do better. It's not because you just jump a little higher. It's not because you say to myself, oh, I'm never going to mess up that way again. No, no, no. It's because of your union with Jesus Christ and his perfection. See, I want you to take, for instance, the example of Justin Bieber. That's right. I'm talking about Justin Bieber, all right? All right. Now, many of you know the Biebs is one of today's most famous Christian celebrities. That's right. I said Christian celebrity, okay? Because believe it or not, he's a practicing believer who has always been very open about his relationship with Jesus Christ, probably more open than you and I are about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Meanwhile, he's done something else that we haven't done, and that is he's sold over 15 million albums. He's recognized by Forbes magazine magazine as the third most powerful celebrity oh and by the way his net worth is somewhere in the neighborhood of 160 million dollars and did i mention he's not even 20 years old yet that was but just in the last month or so you may have heard bieber has had a string of spectacular fails right I'm talking about, you know, rumors of pot, drugs, marijuana, all that stuff, you know, X-rated footage of him with a bunch of girls, you know, drag racing in Lamborghinis, Ferraris, a DUI. He's even been charged with, uh, with assault, right? So you might say that Bieber has kind of stumbled, right? I mean, that, that may have happened, right? And, and now in the wake, now this is what I find even more interesting than that, though. I mean, because that you could kind of see, you could kind of tell. He's 19 years old. He's got all the world's trappings in front of him. Of course. Like, do you remember what you, what you were like when you were 19? So you kind of you see that. But what I think is even more interesting is this. In the wake of Bieber's fall, okay, a lot of Christians, okay, have been like super critical. They've been the first ones to pounce on him and be like, oh my gosh, that Bieber, he's such a fraud. Oh, and they take his self-proclaimed faith and they just totally dismiss it. And they're just totally like, whatever. He was never a Christian to, believe, to begin with. See, guys, you need to understand, like the Pharisees of the Old Testament, you and I, okay, Christians are the first ones to shoot their own, especially when wounded, amen? Yeah, that, that sort of happens. So, so let me just say this. B- before we, we crucify the Biebs, all right, can we just pause here for just a second? And, and can, can I ask you to ask yourself a question that I've asked myself, and that is this. Where do you stumble the most? Where do you stumble the most? Let's, let's forget about Biebs for a second. Where do you stumble as you try and follow Christ? Maybe, maybe it's an addiction, you know, maybe like Bieber, alcohol and pot have somehow made their, they've crept their way into your, it, it started out as like a social thing, an experimental thing, but now you just cannot let go. For some reason, it has got a grip on your life, and you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you can't even really talk about it, you're kind of denying it, and you are just flat out addicted. Or, or maybe, maybe like going back to the Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, maybe your struggle is with lust or anger. Right? And, and, and remember, these are the inner attitudes of the heart that come out and they reveal, they show how much you need a closer union with Christ, a stronger, more intimate union with Christ. Because see, this is the way that I like to think of it. 
let's take lust for instance. See, lust, what lust is, when you struggle with lust, what you're really struggling with, you have a desire for a deeper union with the beautiful, with the absolutely just mind-blowing beauty. And you have a craving for and a desire, and, and you want the acceptance and attention of a beloved. You, you want God, only you sexualize it. G.K. Chesterton nailed it. I mean, he just, he just flat on, he got this when he said, every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. <laughs> Likewise, let, let, let's take anger for a second. Anger, do you understand what anger is? Anger is simply the strong desire in you to write, to fix, to write whatever it is you think is wrong. And so you want to get your hands, and you just want to fix that thing. It's because it's so frustrating. That's what anger is. But union with Christ, union with Christ is saying, it's just giving that back to God and being like, all right, God, like obviously I don't have a handle on this. You do. So you, you, just, you just take it, you take all the judgment, all the justification, and you, you just, you fix it. See, guys, I want to say this. I get that no one here, right, you are all decent-looking people, all right? No one here could possibly relate with the, just the huge, spectacular failings of Justin Bieber on a public stage. I mean, that would be so foolish. None of us could possibly ever relate to such foolishness. Except... For maybe me. No, no, it's okay. It's all right. For those of you who may not know, I should probably keep this to myself. But anyways, <laughs> long story short, Pastor Tim and I recently, we were on a reality TV show called Hillbilly Hand Fishing, okay, where we basically went to Oklahoma. And personally for me, I was shoved into the Red River by two 200-pound men into a beaver's nest, okay? And that's where a 21-pound catfish started biting me in a very sensitive area, okay? Can I just, can I just say that? All right. And what may have happened at that moment, what may have happened is um, I may have said some things that I'm not very proud of today. I, my mother still talks to me about this, okay? And, and that may have happened, okay? That, that, that may have, I think there's some footage about it. I, just, you, you need to erase your DVRs, okay? This is your pastor telling you to erase? Anyways, okay? That, that may have happened. Well, actually, in reality, that, that did happen. That, that, that absolutely, positively did happen. And, and, and in front of a lot of people, I just completely, I just fell. And, and you know, I want to be completely honest about this. You, you know something? I am not proud of that moment. I know we're kind of laughing about it, But honestly, I, I'm not proud of that moment. Are you kidding me? I am not proud of it. And in fact, soon afterwards, I stood on on this very stage, and I apologized because I failed you, failed myself, my family, and most importantly, I failed God. But do you guys know what I learned through that whole experience? Here's what I learned. I learned that when you fail... (laughs) 
when, not if. When you fail, you have three options. There's always three options. Number one, okay? Number one is just to try harder. Just go ahead and pick yourself up from your mistakes and just try harder. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, you just more willpower. You just, you know, just do, just increase your effort, increase your strength, just more, just more and more, raise that bar higher and higher. Just vow to yourself, you will never mess up that way again. See, when, when all that stuff was happening with me and, and Hillbilly, I remember my first reaction was actually, it was actually to curse again. But anyways, my first reaction was, oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? Oh, you're so stupid. You're a pastor. What's your mom going to think? All this stuff. I was just beating myself, right? Get a grip, dude. Raise that bar. Try harder. There was a lot of self-flagellation going on. All right? Can you relate? Option number two. Option number two is just blow it off. Dude, what is your deal? My goodness. You're only human, man. Everyone makes mistakes. Just relax. It's okay. It wasn't, you didn't kill anybody. See, this is the option where we take God's perfect standard, Jesus' perfection, and, and we sort of just water it down and, and make it livable, right? And, and you know what? Let's just be honest here. Though I totally appreciate many of you, I remember to this day, I, I journaled about it and everything. I remember many of you, you sent me emails, you looked me in the eye, you, sh- you shook my hand, you hugged me, and you, and you were just like, after I apologized, you were just like, oh, you know, Pastor Tom, don't worry. It's okay, man. Don't be so hard on yourself. My gosh, you should see me when I'm on my morning commute, you know? Like, I, I, I get that, and I appreciate the empathy there. I, I really do. But deep in my heart, deep in my heart, I kept wondering, you know, what does Jesus really think about this? I remember driving home that Sunday after I apologized in front, and I just remember just thinking, you know, how does Jesus actually feel when one of his children who represents him actually just, you know, curses like a sailor? I mean, how does that really feel? And, and, and I kept hearing this voice in my heart. It wasn't a judgmental voice. It wasn't a harsh voice. It was actually very gentle and gracious. But, but, but what I kept hearing in my heart was, Tom, don't whitewash your sins. Don't whitewash your sins. Which leads us to the third, and I think the best possible option. And that is option number three. Repent and get back up. Throw yourself on the mercy and perfect righteousness of Jesus. Repent of your sins. In other words, that means to admit them. That means to confess them. That means to go to another and brother and sister and saying aloud, you know what? I need help in this area. I messed up in this area. And then it means to turn the other way and to walk into the loving, forgiving arms of Jesus Christ. See, this is where we realize when we take that third option, repent and get back up, this is where we realize if God... If God himself no longer sees my failures, if God himself, the perfect God, the holy God, no longer sees my failures and all the ways that I keep falling, and instead, if he sees the perfect righteousness of his son, when he looks at me and he sees his son, and his son's perfect righteousness and perfect sacrifice for me, if that's what he sees, and if God no longer judges me, if there's no more room for judgment because of what happened at the cross, then who is anyone to judge me? 
Who am I to judge myself? There's no room for it. See, this is where you accept Christ's righteousness imputed, transferred, credited to you. And that is what gives you the strength to get back up again, no matter how many times you may have fallen. And you know something? This is exactly what Justin Bieber has recently been doing. As I read recently that he he went to go see a pastor friend of his, real nearby, okay, uh, seeking redemption, repenting, and praying, and confessing, and desperately even wanting to get baptized. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? A spokesman of his actually said this, Justin is serious about his Christian faith and the recent events. He needed to take pause. You know something? Let's just be honest. Making fun of Justin Bieber is like the easiest thing to do. That's like, what, you think that takes skill? But what he did, what he's doing right there, that's, that's awesome. I can relate with that. I can respect that. He's fallen, and through Christ, he's trying to get back up. Again. And you know what? He's going to fall again, but that's okay. He's going to get back up. I can respect that. that, that that's my life. I, I, guys, I'm a believer. Are you? I'm sorry. I just had to add that. I just... Seriously, though. C.S. Lewis, he actually captured the essence of this as only he could. What a stud C.S. Lewis is. He wrote this. If only we have the will to walk, then God is pleased with our stumble. That'll preach. If only we have the will to walk, God is pleased with Our stumbles. For me, C.S. Lewis was riffing off of one of my favorite proverbs of all time. Proverbs 24, 16, which says this. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. Though a righteous man. What's a righteous man? A righteous man is someone who believes in God, is living for God. He's just going about his business. He's He's walking the walk. Though a righteous man, though he falls, he gets back up. He rises again. Though a righteous man, he's going about, he's living his life the next day and he falls. That's okay because he he rises again. And, And you know, later on that day, he gets into a fight with his wife and a righteous man, he falls. But you know what? He rises again and again and again and again. See, folks, you need to understand your failure is an opportunity for you to grow with Christ. Your failure is the opportunity to grow in your union with Christ. And personally, that is what I learned from the whole hillbilly experience. That and to never go fishing with Pastor Tim again. So guys, what is it for you? What is it for you? What aspect of Christ do you stumble with the most? What actually trips you up? What makes you fall? What is that thing in your life where you just try to do better, you just try to, and then you fall, and you try to, what is that for you? Because remember, remember now, God is not looking for perfection anymore. Because, because why? Because Christ fulfilled that. 
Christ already did that. He, Christ already fulfilled that role. And so what, all it is is now, now God sees the perfect Christ in you. And so now all you have to do is turn to Jesus. In fact, later on in the New Testament, it says actually that Christ's power is made perfect in our weaknesses. Not our strengths. It's in our weaknesses. And at the cross where Jesus died, his perfection was imputed. It was transferred. It was credited to your account, to your life. In fact, folks, this is how I want to end this service. Today in your programs, you should find one of these, a little post-it note there. Have you got that? If you don't have one, just go ahead and raise your hand. I'm going to have the ushers come on down right now, and they can, they can hand you a post-it note if you don't have one. I've got some people up here, okay? Great. So you're going to get that post-it note, and here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just write one or two words. Just jot one thing down that trips you up the most. Just one or two words, okay? Don't worry. You're not going to have to sign this with your name. You can even fold it up afterwards so that no one sees it or anything like that, okay? But I'm going to share with you, just as you're taking that time to do that right now, I'm going to share with you one thing that God has been showing me, he's been convicting me of, no surprise here, are my actual words, the words that I use, okay? That, that, that's what I've written on my post-it, okay? Uh, you see, I want to, especially as a preacher, I want to use my word, every single word that comes out of these lips, out of this mouth. I want clean lips. I want them to be glorifying God. Here's a verse that has been truly convicting to me lately, and that is this. James chapter 3, verse 10 says this. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. See, guys, honestly, just honestly, I want my words to be all about praise and pointing to the perfection of Jesus Christ. I don't, I don't want to curse. It doesn't just have to be bad words, but I don't want to speak poorly. It's just reflect, reflecting bad on me and reflecting bad on my neighbors. I want it to be about praise and praising God. So, guys, what is it for you? What is that one thing that you keep tripping up about uh, all, all the time? Would you be able to write it down right now? And as you do, I'm going to pray right now. And then afterwards, I'm going to invite you forward to come. And you can just fold it up if you don't want anyone to see. That's okay. And I'm going to invite you to come forward and nail it to the cross. We've got little push pins for you. You can just pin it to the cross right there. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to leave it at the cross. Just leave it there. And as you're doing that, I, this is what I want you to do. I want you to be praying. Make it your prayer to remember and receive Christ's mercy for you and his perfect righteousness imputed to you, transferred to you, credited to you in that specific area of your life today. Can we do that? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, um, I'll be the first to say, God, I, I have my own standards and I fail them. I can't even imagine your perfect standards and all the way, all the ways that I fail that. And so I just, I, I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your Son Jesus Christ and His perfection imputed to me, given to me because of the cross, because he was the perfect sacrifice. And I just pray, Father, that you would help me not to just uh, fall and then stumble and never get back up again, but to be like the righteous man in the Proverbs and to fall and to get back up and to fall and to get back up and to fall and to finally get back up again. And I pray for every man, woman, and child who's hearing this, that they would hear the good news, the gospel news, 
that Christ's righteousness has been given to us along with his mercy. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done at the cross. And we pray that you would help us remember that even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.